0: I jokingly said, first hour, although I kind of meant it, if I wasn't a pastor, I probably wouldn't have come to church today, you know, haven't had a good week, haven't felt good, the weather's bad, and it's daylight saving time, it's the perfect storm, you know, and so I applaud you for being here today. You're a better person than I am, and God's good. Uh, This morning, uh, if I could dance, I told you last week I can't dance. Uh, I would do a happy dance because we're to the Old Testament book of Haggai in our series, Because of His Love, uh, where we're looking at the Old Testament minor prophets. And we're not talking on judgment. Amen. It's on rebuilding and restoration. And I mean, if I could floss and do all that nonsense, I'd just do that like crazy right now because I'm so happy to be talking on something other, other than judgment. Now, let me give you a little bit of background um, to the book of Haggai, and then we're going to get into how to be participants in a movement of God in our time and in our culture. Because that's what I want to take away from Haggai. In his time and in this culture, Haggai talked to the people about how, re- how to rebuild the temple, but it was really about how to be part of the movement of God at that time. And I think our insight we're going to take away from the book of Haggai uh, this morning is how are, are we called to be part of the movement that God wants to have uh, during our time. Um, Haggai, um, uh, was a 75-year-old man when God began to use him. And uh, basically what's going on, he he, he had seen uh, Judah carried off into captivity. Uh, so many of the Old uh, uh, Testament minor prophets talked about this judgment coming on Judah, what had happened. Uh, Bab- the Babylonians, under the leadership of Nebuchadnezzar, carried off uh, Judah into captivity. Now, uh, this this old... Prophet Haggai is ministering to the remnant of 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 Judah that is being called to come back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple that the Babylonians had destroyed. okay? Are you getting the context of this so this this ministry of Haggai is to the remnant that had returned after captivity to the Babylonians and under under uh, Osiris of Persia. That, that was now the new realm, you know, after the Babylonians, they were allowed to come back and rebuild uh, the temple. And so uh, it's kind of a different-flavored book. And 16 years into the process of returning, guess what? It wasn't done. And that's when Haggai stepped onto the scene, 16 years. I don't know how about you all, but I can turn a project into a 16-year thing pretty easily, personally. Um, I had to laugh at my father-in-law. I love John, my father-in-law. Um, he built his house, which I applaud. Again, I'm applauding people for lots of things this morning. But I noticed this the whole time I was going out with Vicky, and well into the, the, our, our years of marriage. He never put the trim up of that house. It sat in his garage for like 15 years. It became kind of a standing joke. Are you ever going to trim the house out? I don't know. You know, it just kind of went on and on and on. And that's what was happening with the rebuilding of the temple. It started and then just ceased. Um, Why do people frequently begin well but have a hard time finishing, do you think? Have you thought about that? Maybe you don't have this challenge. I have this challenge a little bit. I see it all the time. I work out now because it's become a routine uh, part of my life. And I noticed in January there's always uh, an influx of a lot of people. They, they want to lose weight. They want to be healthy. And the, the, the gym I go to is, is really quite full. And I notice about this time of year, guess what? It's pretty quiet again. It's starting to settle back down. Most of the people have already run out of gas. And I, I begin to think, well, why do people begin well with something like health or their spiritual walk in Christ or whatever and not seem to finish well? You know what I think is the problem is there hasn't been a decision to actually make a total life change. It kind of goes like this. I'm going to do this for a season. I'm going to diet for a season, and then I'll get back to life as normal, right? I'm going to exercise for a season, and then I'll be done with that, and I'll be healthy, and I'll go back to my old life. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You have to just throw your old life out, and you have to be one who embraces a new way of doing life. Now, that has some merits, of course, physically speaking, but Spiritually speaking, it's absolutely paramount that that's the attitude we take. When we become a Christ follower, right, old is gone and a new is being embraced. There's, there's no, I'm going to do this for a while, then go back to things as they were. Uh, that's just a sure formula for not finishing well, amen? And I think un, unintentionally, oftentimes, that's the challenge that we face. And evidently, with the rebuilding of the temple in Haggai's day, they had begun well, but for some reason they weren't finishing the project. And when you look at what they had to go through, you can begin to kind of understand uh, the, 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 the the real obstacles that they were facing. I mean, they, they left Babylonian uh, captivity where things were well-defined. It might not have been a good life, but it was a life that that they could manage. And then they were pioneers back in Jerusalem, which was kind of decimated. It was now a desolate place, and they had to come back, and they had to rebuild, and life was hard, and there was all those obstacles of just doing life right when you're coming to a place like that. And then on top of that, as Ezra says, uh, it, which is kind of a companion read to the book of Haggai about that time era in the history of Judah, the Samaritans rose up against them and began to oppose the rebuilding of the temple and began to send letters to Cyrus of Persia, uh, saying how this was subversive and and the people ran into all kinds of obstacles and they yielded to the obstacles and they they didn't finish that which they had begun and, and so this brings us to uh this this introductory kind of uh thought it's the problem actually the obstacles they faced led to spiritual uh, lethargy they, they became lethargic um and so the obstacles that they faced led to spiritual uh, lethargy and work on the temple ceased and the mission of God became secondary, then we're told, basically, to a preoccupation with their own projects, with their own house, houses and their own lives. Um, and, and so you've got to understand something here that I think is really uh, paramount to getting uh, what was going on, is that the temple wasn't a building project, per se. The temple was to be the center of the spiritual life of, of the people at that time. And so when they were called to build the temple, what, what God was saying is, I'm calling you back to making me the center of your life. And the temple is kind of representative and symbolic of that. And so when that wasn't being completed and the people were kind of giving up on it and instead preoccupied with their own projects, uh, basically they were missing out entirely uh, on the mission of God for them uh, to you know, give their lives over to him in service uh, to him. Um, let me challenge you. I'm going to challenge you a lot this morning. Man, we had, we had hardly anybody here first hour. It was really strange. And I, I had this great, you know, thought that this is going to be this great message. And y'all kind of looked like they were so tired and just so exhausted. Are you wore out from winter? I'm just wore out. I mean, I feel like defeated almost. from my, Let us know again, whatever, you know. But I want you to, I want you to understand something here today. Um, one of the big challenges that a movement of God faces, whether it be in the time of Haggai or in our time, is the people of God... Being preoccupied with their personal agendas and goals over their preoccupation with what God is up to, Amen. And we live in a culture, friends, that is all about self. You don't have to watch much TV or or read much to know that our culture pretty much is about meism and 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 self satisfaction and, and self and achievement and all that kind of stuff, and that attitude, I think, permeates into the church, and pretty soon we come into uh, uh, the body of Christ like this, and we begin to think it's about us. And we become unintentionally consumeristic. And if I don't like the music, I'll just go to this other church. If I don't like this pastor, I'll go to this other church. If I, you know, have a message that I don't care for, you know, I just won't listen to that. And those are just little things, but Get, get this, we quickly become self-absorbed. And if, if, if we're going to be part of a movement that God is about in our day and age, it can't be about us. It just can't be about us. It can't be about our personal wants and desires and all that kind of thing. And so Haggai is all about how to be part of a movement of God in a generation. And that's what I'm going to look at this morning with you using the book of Haggai. How we can be part of a God movement in our day and age. You know, when I grew up, which is now getting to be a long time ago, in the 70s, I was really part of the charismatic movement in the Twin Cities, sometimes called the Jesus People Movement, and uh, that kind of thing. And, and I, I didn't realize at the time that I was part of a movement. You follow what I'm saying? I just loved Jesus, and I just couldn't get enough of him. And uh, I would go downtown to souls Harbor and go to that church because it was such a great church. Gordy Peterson would preach there, and and some of these old saints that you have no idea who I'm talking about. You don't really care, do you? But I remember, um, just just it was such a cool thing. I I did not know that we were part of a movement, that God was doing something special during that time. And I I, I came back here, and I was uh, Kind of reminiscing with somebody here about that era because he went through it too and lived in the cities. And he said, "Have you ever listened to one of those old preaching tapes from back then?" I said, "Did they have them from back then? You know, what were they on—bricks and more?" I, anyway, you know, how did they record back? You know, anyway, he said, "I listened to one. Worst message I ever heard in my life." I said they were terrible preachers. You know what I, I said? Really? But all they would had to do is say Jesus, and we're going yay. You know what I mean? And, and I think something important clicked with me. A movement of God is about people who are receptive and desirous of something to take place. It's not about the music, which I love the music here. <laughs> I'll just unashamedly say I love the music here. But it's not about that. It's not about how eloquently I speak to you. It's not about some new profound little nugget of truth you'll find in the Bible you've never seen before. It's not about that. It's about your heart yearning for God to do something that's way beyond our ability and capabilities, amen? And that is the makings of of a movement, and I want to talk with you on that because I think God wants a movement to take place in our midst here, and I think it is. I'm going to talk about that more as the morning unfolds, but I'm going to begin by reading Haggai chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and I want to talk about some different key insights from this little short two-chapter book on, you know, just incredible insights on how a movement of God works and how we can then participate in that. So in the second year of King Darius, this is now 16 years after the proclamation made by Cyrus to go rebuild the temple. On the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel son of Shittil, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jozadak the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house, the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. It is is it time for you, yourselves, to be living in your panel houses while well, this house remains a ruin? So let's talk about how to participate, how to become a movement of God. First of all, God's priorities must become your priority. That's essentially what's being said here already in the book of Haggai. God's priorities must become your priorities. Um, as I mentioned, the people had run into some obstacles, and the rebuilding of the temple was probably harder than they thought it would be, So life became all about their personal needs and they were neglecting the mission uh, uh, of God. Now, meeting your personal needs is not an evil thing. It's a priority thing here that's being shared with us in the book of Haggai. They were doing this stuff to the neglect of the things of the Lord. And listen, people of God, if we want to be part of what God is up to, if we want to be part of the movement of God, our hearts have to resonate with the priorities of God. And they have to displace some of our personal priorities, amen? If that doesn't transpire, then we're never going to have our true movement of God that he desires to do. In our culture, personal satisfaction right now and personal fulfillment and all that kind of stuff is exalted above all else. And that way of thinking, of course, is influencing uh, the church. And, and we have to understand a maturity uh, a process in the Christian faith, is when you begin to think really less about yourself and more about what God wants to do. That's maturity in the Christian faith. And and, and, we have to, and, and when we start having that kind of attitude and, and when God's priorities become our priorities, uh, guess what? We're probably moving towards being part of the movement that God wants to have happen in our midst. Do you know what a millipede is? That little insect with the... A lot of legs. I remember um, when Vicki and I were first married, um, and we were going to the University of Minnesota. We were typical college students at the time, no money, so we rented this place in this really dilapidated apartment complex. That's the only way I can say it in St. Paul. That was close to the to the campus, so we could catch a bus from the St. Paul campus over to the Minneapolis campus, and we lived in an apartment right above the boiler house of that uh, apartment complex. Now, we did not realize when we rented that apartment building that that boiler room was just a great place for insects to evidently uh, be born and migrate from. So every morning (laughs) when we get up, I I try not to look at my wife. I thought it was funny, but he didn't think it was funny. But... They, the amount of insects in our apartment building were amazing. And I still remember one time when she got up and she was barefoot and stepped on something, and it crunched. And I heard her go, oh, oh. And she just stood there and shuddered. And and (laughs) turned the light on, oh, my goodness. They were everywhere, these crunchy bugs. And on the walls were all those little millipede things doing the circles. We were sleeping in that. And uh, I began to just do what any husband would do, smashing everything in sight. <laughs> and you'd smash the millipedes, and their little legs would go, ah! you were, and they would still move. They were amazingly resilient. And, and what was funny was when you turned the light on, it was like they were confused, and they didn't know what to do in the light, and they would just go, ah. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and I think when it comes to the body of Christ, when we're all pursuing our personal agendas all the time, making God our servant, and he's there to meet our needs. And, you know, God does meet our needs, amen? Doesn't he? But sometimes I think we flip this thing on its head called Christianity, and we think God is to serve us, and we're to serve his priorities and his needs. But I I think, if you can imagine this, we're like the millipede legs, it, it, but if we're all going to different directions and, and we're, we're just going to spin in circles or, you know, or be smashed up and going all over the place and the church is going to be so ineffective and so impotent, it's just not going to do very well. And, but I tell you, when the millipedes would get their kind of sense around them and figure out what's going on and those legs would work together, they were fast. In fact, they could get out of striking distance really fast once they kind of figured out what was going on. You, could, you had to smash them right away when the light came on. Otherwise, they would kind of gather their wits about them, whatever wits they have as a little bug, I don't know. And they would just scoot like crazy. And my goal at the time was to kill everything in sight, you know? And so I think this gives me an image of the body of Christ. If we all work together, our old little legs are going the same direction in God's priorities, we're quick and we're on the move for God. If we're all doing our own thing, we're just going in circles. We're just not doing what God wants us to uh, to do. And so God's priorities have to become our priorities. Um, now, in Haggai's situation, the people, once again, needed to be captured by the, the, the temple vision. And, and so uh, here's what happens next in Haggai chapter 1. I'm, I'm going to read verses 5 through uh, 11 for you now. Listen to this. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little." You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house, so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you have brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains in ruin, ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because... Of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, uh, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil and everything else the ground produces on people and livestock and on all the labor of your hands. Here's how I would summarize this. Give careful thought to your life. Give careful thought to your life. If you want to understand the ways of the Lord, if you want to be part of the movement of God, give careful thought to your life. What are you doing? What are you living for? Most people do life they don't give any thought of what their life's about. We just do life we just do life that's not that's not living a god-ordained god purposeful uh existence and 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 i think so many just don't get what haggai just described here it's like we need to take a biblical math course we need to understand cause and effect biblically speaking now i've said this before but the prophets here the minor prophets repeat this over and over again we got to see the cause and effect of decisions in life. As a follower of God, we got to see that. we got to put two and two together. So if we want to be part of a movement of God, um, it means I've got to put God first. I've got to have that priority. I've got to be one who does God math. I've got to understand if I make life about me, And about my personal wants and desires, if I place that above God's priorities, I will be putting holes in my wallet and my purse. And even though I think that's what I I want, what I'm doing is living in such a way that God can't bless it. And so if we don't get this kind of God math, we're just going to be spinning our wheels. In life. And the thing that's interesting about following God is when we get on board with what God is up to and He blesses that, life becomes magnificently beautiful and full of His presence and His power. But when we try to make life about us and about what we think we want and what we think we need and all that and have God kind of serve us, what we're being told here by Haggai is that's going to be frustrating for you. Amen? Do you believe that is my question this morning? Do you believe what I just read to you from Haggai? Do you believe that's how life will be if God is not the priority and if his uh, mission is not your mission? Do you believe your life will be frustrating and less than it should be? Because if you begin to really believe this, you will live differently and a movement, my friends, is being birthed. Amen? This is the same reaction I got first hour. I, I just, this, I, we talk in the Christian community so much about wanting a movement of God. Do we really want a movement of God? Because Haggai is telling us some of the key elements priorities of God first, do God math, get it. And the next point, I think, is just profound. And I'm going to go on and read some scripture in Haggai and then talk to you about this. It's from Haggai 1, verses 12 through 15. Listen to this. Then Zerubbabel. Son of Shittal, Joshua, son of Act, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him. So, let me ask you, what happened here? What one word can you pick out of this reading I just gave you? What did the people do? How did they respond to Haggai? They what? Obeyed. No trickery here. They obeyed. They obeyed. Just remember that. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord uh, to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up, stirred up, the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shittal, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josedak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, the God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. So if we really want to be part of a movement of God. Okay, God's priorities must be ours. we got to be able to do some God math here, but get this. God's people must be obedient. God's people must be obedient. This makes them available then to be stirred up. Stirred up by the Lord. Amen? This obedient people is the people on which the Spirit of the Lord moves. Did you get this? you getting this linkage? Oftentimes we'll kind of Oh my goodness! I got to go fast. Oh, that's wrong. Anyway, sorry. Looking at time, I'm thinking it can't be done already. What do you do? Anyway, sorry. Sorry, you don't care. I just really distracted you all. Don't do not look back there. Anyway, oftentimes we want this a, a, a movement of God to happen, and we think if it's out there, but no. You know where a movement of God happens in us first, by the people of God being obedient. That's where it all begins. Is if we really want to have a movement of God in our, in our, in our generation and in, in our culture, then you and I have to become radically obedient followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And you know what God does? He just puts his will on our hearts. He just puts a spirit into us. And we begin to just resonate with him. And so I want, I want to just challenge you. When you read something in the Bible that's contrary to the way you're living, will you be obedient to it? Because if we want to be part of the movement of God, it's going to begin with us being obedient to who God is, obedient to His Word, obedient to His Holy Spirit working in us. When the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, will you be obedient to that? When we become radically obedient to God's Word and to God's Holy Spirit prompting in us, guess what happens? I think a movement of God is afoot. Amen? And God's going to do something that's powerful and and, and uh, culture-changing. to the credit uh, of the people of Haggai's time, they did rebuild the temple. But listen to the response of this rebuilt temple. It wasn't the same kind of glory as the former Temple of Solomon, the first temple. This one was not nearly as, as cool. Listen uh, about what happens in Haggai chapter 1 and verses 15 through then chapter 2 verse 9. In the second year of King Darius, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai, speak. To Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah; to Joshua, son of Jozadak the high priest; and to the remnant of the people, and asked them, "Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem like uh, to you like nothing? But now, be strong!" Zerubbabel declares, "The Lord be strong!" Joshua, son of jo- uh, jozadak the high priest, be strong! All you people of the land declares the Lord, and work for I am with you," declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once again shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with, the, with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house says the lord almighty and in this place i will grant peace declares the lord almighty so elsewhere in the bible we're told this when the when the when the temple's completed the young people went yes and the old people went Wah! they cried there was an entirely different reaction from the older and the younger to the rebuilding of the temple now what happened was the younger ones didn't know any better they were just happy to have a temple The older ones, they remembered, including, I'm sure, Haggai, what the the Temple of Solomon looked like. It was magnificently beautiful. And this new temple, it was a pittance compared to that one. And there was sadness and crying with the ones who were older. I have a word for us who are older. And a lot of you are getting there, whether you realize it or not. You've been through some iterations in the Lord. You've been through some things in church. And what we tend to do when God starts to stir us up and do some new things is we tend to compare back to what we experienced prior. We all have this tendency. Even if you're 25 years old, you have this tendency. And we can begin to say, well, what's going on here? Doesn't measure up with what went on there. Amen? And it's not as good. And we begin to diminish the work that God's about to do in our midst because we're comparing it to some former thing that happened. And you know what? It's really hard for anything new ever to live up to something that's been magnified in your mind as happening in the past at some time. And what we have to do if we really want to step into a movement of God in our generation, our culture, we got to look past preconceived ideas, past former things, and seek to see what are you up to, God? And that's basically what God was saying uh, to Haggai. You know, these people are looking at this thing, they're comparing it to the former temple, but they're not seeing that this new temple, even though it's more shoddy and it's smaller, there's going to be a glory in this thing that way outweighs whatever took place in that former temple of Solomon. You know why? Because the Lord God incarnate, Jesus Christ, would come into this temple and he'd make me known. And this temple's glory is going to way outshine the glory of Solomon's temple. In fact, when Jesus shows up, the temples won't even matter anymore. And that's what's being told the Haggai. And you don't see this work that's going on, especially your older ones, because you have these preconceived ideas that you need to lay down. And you need to step into the movement of God that's happening afoot right now. Amen? And I tell you what, people of God... God does things in our midst sometimes, and what we need to be doing is saying, I'm going to step into that with you, Lord. I'm going to trust in the work that you're doing here, and I'm going to trust in what your Holy Spirit's up to, and I'm not going to bring my preconceived notions into how you should move. I'm going to ask instead, how are you moving, and what do you want me to do as part of this movement? Here's our conclusion. God is often up to something way beyond what you see at the moment. That's what's going on in Haggai's day, and oftentimes that's what's going on in our day. And I'm going to bring this thing to uh, a wrap-up this morning. Um, as the praise team makes their way back up here, we're going to sing a couple songs um, to close out this morning. But when I was in that movement in the 70s, I didn't see it. I look back now and I see it. It was amazing. And, and just to see, especially all the, that amount of young people so involved in the, in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the late 60s and 70s, and it was just, it was just a true movement. I, I want to submit something to you here, at Grace Point, okay? Now, I know this is a bad Sunday to do this on because it's Daylight Saving Sunday. It's a terrible weather weekend. Normally, this service, you can hardly find a seat to sit in. Today, there's ample room, which that always makes me sad. First hour, I looked at it, I go, Whoa! Woo! Woo! This is like 4th of July, this is terrible it was, a, it was just it's so you may not be thinking this way today but get this I think we're in a movement here I think God's doing some things that's unusual in this church, in our community I think he's using us I, I think there are a lot of lives that are being affected for Christ here, a lot, a lot of lives I hear the stories all the time and I'm telling you, I, it's just it's not normal. Do you realize this is not normal? That's why when I talk to you about this under, this idea that we're a remnant now in our culture, that some of you go, what? Because we don't feel like a remnant here, right? But in the scope of overall culture, yes, we are. But that's partly because God is privileging us to experience a movement. And we, if we really want to have the full-orbed movement of God transpire in our midst, then we have to have God's priorities truly become our priorities. That's why we talk about, you know what, We're to encounter grace and give grace and grow in grace here at this church. That's what it's all about. That's why we're missionally kind of crazy all the time. We got to stay on mission. We got to stay on mission. We got to stay on mission. We got to be on mission. Amen. And that's the first thing the head guy said to the people there. You're off mission. You're off mission. You're off mission. We cannot get off mission. It's got to be about what God wants to do here in our midst. Not about personal preferences taking you know over what God's bigger picture is. And we gotta do God math. Listen, you can either jump on board with the movement of God, which I pray we all do here, or you can say, you know what? It's more about me. If you think it's more about you than what God wants to do, then you might as well go home and drill a hole in your purse or your wallet or just begin to throw change out. I don't know. Because it's not gonna work. just not gonna work. And then you gotta be crazy obedient then. God, people, listen to me. Movements begin with you and your obedience. Amen? And when we become people who are obedient to God and thought, word, and deed, when we become people who are obedient to the, the written word and to the prompting to the Holy Spirit, when we become just kind of crazy like that, guess what? That's a movement afoot. Throw down the preconceived notions. Throw them down and ask God, what are you up to? And he's doing things way beyond what we can imagine. I know someday I'm going to look back and say, wow, God, wow, 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 wow. And I'm already doing that now. Because I've learned. I've learned from my past. Don't wait until you're 30 years beyond the moment to say, oh, that was a moment. Figure out what's going on and jump on board with it, amen. I need to quit. I have no idea what's going on with the time stuff today. So if we're late, it's Kyle's fault. If we're on time, I did it. At any rate, no, I'm just joking. I don't know what's going on. we have been sing a couple songs to end with uh, this morning. And I just want you to really love Jesus. Amen? And be part of the movement he's doing here. And praise God for this. This is by no means a boasting on my part. This is just saying, God's up to something, and I want to be part of it. How about you? Amen? And let's pray. Lord God, I want to thank you for Haggai. I think it's a super insightful book on about what it means to be part of a movement. Uh, that's of you, Lord. And I want to pray, God, this morning that categorically here as a church, your priorities would be our priorities. That your great commission would be our great commission. That your great commandment would be our great commandment. That we'd love you, God, and love other people. And I just pray, Lord, that um, we would just be on task for you. I pray, God, that we'd be biblically intelligent math people. That we could put two and two together, Lord. That we realize, Lord, that... If we don't follow after you hard, it's not going to work out well in life anyway. And we might as well just start, you know, counting on our fruit not working and our money going south, Lord, and things just not working out in our lives. And Lord, I pray that we would be characterized as obedient people, that we truly would follow after you, God. Uh, Because I know that's where movement begins. When your people, God, when your people become crazy about you and crazy about following you, Lord, and God, I just pray for some of us who've been around a season or two, sometimes we have these preconceived notions that get in the way, Lord. Help us embrace the new thing that you're doing in our time and our generation right now, Lord. And God, we're counting on the fact that you're going to do things we can't even imagine or hope for. Would you bless the people of Grace Point with this kind of vision and this kind of what could be a thought process, Lord? I know that's where Haggai brings us. And I thank you for this prophet and for this book, Lord. Thank you for the series that stretched us so much as your people. We love you, Jesus, and all God's people said,